This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. And you know, Zupan's isn't only known for their incredible selection of wines. They also have great beers. And one that's featured uh, this week is a farm-to-market lager uh, brewed in connection or collaboration with Level Beer. It's a classic American lager, which I really like, which is light, crisp, and clean and pairs perfectly with these hot summer afternoons. And one of the great things about the uh, beer department at your local Zupans is there's always somebody there that can help you. If you've got your mind, if you've got a certain type that you want, you don't have to look very far to find somebody that's going to be able to point you in the right direction. That's, it's, it's that case in every department at Zupan. That's true. That's true. It's always there, and the stores are small enough where you can always find someone to, but large enough to be stocked with lots of great things. Yep. And here are three things not to miss in Zupan's this week, the Tasty Trio this week. Uh, you've got herb-stuffed Branzino, also known as European sea bass. This fish is presented whole, stuffed with cilantro, dill, onion, and lemon. Uh, you simply grill it and enjoy it, Chris. And right now is incredible tomato time in Oregon. And that's no different at Zupans. They have their local tomatoes. They're amazing. Let's use that word right now. And it's the time to make Caprese, uh, Liberty Harvest Slicing Tomatoes grown in Dundee, Oregon, or Oregon Star Seedless Tomatoes grown in Gaston, Oregon. And of course, the wonderful organic heirloom tomatoes grown in Ridgefield, Washington by Northwest Organic Farms. And don't miss out on uh, brand new Spanish products. It's a great opportunity for you to take a culinary journey through Spain at your local Zupans from saffron to paella, paella from saffron to paella rice to canned seafood and olives. Uh, your local Zupan store is filled with uh, new gourmet items imported directly from Spain. Spain's always a great idea. Mm-hmm. Hint, hint. Is that what, yes, is that what you're getting hint. at? Yeah. So those, um, so those are all available at one, any one of three of Zupan's markets on West Burnside, Macadam, Lake Oswego, and Court. Where else? Zupan's.com. All right, it's time once again, Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. I'm still here, and Court, you're still there at I am. the studios of kink.fm. You're back in, but there's nobody else there. We can't record together. Nope, nope. They've, uh, they, they're have uh, a select few are allowed to go in daily, and I rarely even come in daily. I come in a couple of times a week is all. I might even have a black mark because the last time I was there... I was feeling a little sick. Oh, and yes. This rumor went around the building that I might have been a carrier. Oh, yeah. That, that rumor, it was, it was hot and heavy at the beginning of the COVID <laughs> pandemic. And we, we had to, I remember calling him like, hey, uh, are, did, are, do you have COVID? <laughs> yeah. Because everybody at work is funny. wondering. I, I left there with a sniffle. That yeah. you, if you listen to some of the later episodes or earlier episodes in March, and I rarely get sick. And then so I said that on Facebook, and one of the employees in the building saw it, and this rumor spread. While I'm sitting back walking my dogs in Manzanita, yep. there's like a frenzy of meetings about me in Portland. We, so, we, we, incl- we cleaned the entire place because of you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> which needed to be done anyway so who knew what was to come yep. at that point in time yep but uh what was to come was a, a shake-up in the market i have to report something i saw this morning that makes me very sad which is one of the victims of this covid um of the pandemic in portland is now aviary so their last day of service will be saturday i think it's the 29th mm-hmm. um and uh, they've been around for nine plus years. We did one of the early Portland food adventures with them and they're such nice people. And Sarah Pliner is one of the most talented chefs we have in Portland. And as they go one by one, now Aviary, previously all the tasty restaurants and Toro Bravo, oh my God, um, more, more to come. And uh, so that's sad, but there are bright spots 
And one of them, I think that's shining very brightly in terms of their food program and their cocktail program is Quaintrell over on Mississippi. And we had the opportunity to interview Riley Eckersley, who is just not only a great chef, but a really fun guy, very energetic, and it shows in his food. Um, and so I've been seeing they're doing some great uh, kits to go as well. And you can check on their website, which, as I recall, is quaintrell.co, C-O, no M. So um, check that out uh, while you're listening to our interview with Riley Eckersley. The folks at um, – we also do have another interview with Emily Everett, which took place uh, about five, six months ago. Yeah. And so she's the general manager there, and she also manages Abbey Road Farm. And I know Riley has a little to do with that, but he's really the guy in the kitchen at Quaintrell uh, running the show there and doing a great job. And so they've pulled through this pandemic, apparently, so far. And we thought this was a good interview to bring back. Court, we're looking for positive stories, and that's one of the reasons we just decided to do some repeats for a while, because there weren't a lot of upbeat, positive stories out there in Portland, and uh, I think people need that. So we're, we are, we're on the hunt for some good stories as we get started that are relevant, um, and then we'll be doing some fresh interviews soon. We mentioned that a week or two ago, um, but we have one or two in the hopper, and we're just kind of waiting for that. That's right. Is that okay with you, Court? Does yep. that work? That works. So interestingly enough, all these epi episodes we've been running are in our archives, and we are on our sixth year of Right at the Fork, which is just remarkable to me. And so we've got so many episodes that when we didn't have as many listeners as we have now, we're running and we're trying to bring pull out some of those evergreen episodes that are still relevant. They're not talking about the pandemic, which I think is okay. But, you know, the idea behind Portland Food Adventures was to do backstories, was talk about backstories of the tastemakers, whether it be chefs, coffee makers, cocktail mavens. Uh, and that's what this is. So um, we're pulling this one out of the archives from about a year and a half ago, I believe, when mm -hmm. we visited us. And um, it's a good interview. He talks about some of his cooking in France, what some of his influences are, and juggling uh, a, a great home life with a work life as well. So uh, you'll enjoy Riley. It'll take, usually it takes me about 30 seconds to two minutes to get used to an accent and, and have it. So I think you'll be there very soon. Hit it, Court. Right at the Fork is supported by... Zupan's Markets. Whether you're an expert chef or a connoisseur of great cuisine, Zupan's Markets has been the number one destination for the food and wine lovers of Portland and beyond for over 40 years. West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego, or Zupan's.com. Ringside Steakhouse. It's time again to slice into the best steaks and service available in Portland. Seating is now available by reservation only for indoor and outdoor dining at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And check out the newly opened New England-style fish and ship spot with a Northwest personality, Rock Paper Fish, a partnership between the Peterson family and Portland icon Micah Camden in the old Boxer Ramen space on East Burnside for takeout only. And by Portland Food Adventures, Cabin Fever, book a fantastic culinary vacation in 2021 with podcast host Chris Angeles. Experience the best of Basque Country with Javier Canteras of Urdaneta or Western Sicily with Taste of Italy's Austri Enzyme. Whet your appetite and get more information at PortlandFoodAdventures.com or contact Red right at the Fork host Chris Angeles for more details. So it's nice for you to it's nice of you to come in. I just saw you a week ago at a chef competition, kind of an exhibition. Yeah. Did you enjoy that, by the way? This was a Thing that Lux Magazine puts on its standard TV and appliance, and uh, it's a you know it's an exhibition. It's fun. Um, it's really nice to get out of the kitchen for the day. Any excuse to do something to a, a, to disrupt the norm, I feel like is uh, quite welcomed. And yeah, it's 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 nice to cook in front of people, and it's nice to cook with people that um, well, you know, it's the team. It's a team of, of people that definitely don't cook for a living. So it's fun to um, you know share your experience. They have lots of questions. They're always really easy. You look like you're having a good time. Yeah, I enjoy myself. 
had a couple of vodka tonics. <laughs> it was good. It was good. So is that your drink, vodka tonic? I like to drink pretty much most things, honestly. Um, I like, I do like liquor, though. I'm not much of, I, I've drank enough beer that I've, you know, developed my little beer, my little beer belly. So I'm, uh, I like to have like a vodka tonic the other night. It's nice. Or a Frenet. I like Frenet. And so you've got a nice bar at Quaintrell. We do have a nice bar at Quaintrell. So there have to be some, there's some pretty good cocktails there. You know, I never get a cocktail when I'm done with work. I never do. I, I should. I should take advantage of it. Camille's very talented. I just, um, I prefer for the uh, straight and easy. I have a nice tequila, a nice whisking, a nice fernet. And that's it. And that's about it. That, that makes me pretty happy. And then home. How and far? Then, how long? A, how long? A, uh, how far away do you live? Ten minutes. Nice and close. I'm up in North Portland, uh, near Kenton. Are you a car guy or a? Uh, you know, I just got my bike nicked. Uh, so I was biking uh, until some. A uh, devious individual decided to um, lift me of my cycle. Um, but uh, I would like to start cycling again soon, so I have been driving. It makes me feel, um, well, I, I don't know. I, I wish I could rely on public transportation more. Unfortunately, it's just not quite quick enough. So, yes, I drive at the moment. Yeah, it's a little faster to drive, especially if you're not getting on the highways. Especially here. if you're in North Portland. North Portland's not quite that savvy with the old uh, with everything so far. Uh, on its really? way, though. On its way. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's doing good. It's doing all right. But it's, uh, I did the mass transit thing when my car was being worked on a couple of weeks ago. I've never been a mass... Tra- I, I, you know, I live in Manzanita, too, and I've always loved cars. Yeah, there you go. And to get downtown, it was okay, because, you know, you just step on the bus, but it was a... Instead of a 10, 15-minute ride, it was 45 minutes, and, yep. and even longer going back. You know, growing up in London, I used to take a 73 bus all over the place. Like, it depends on where you, where you grow. Like, you know, I, I'm a big fan of mass transit, and I do like to use the max if I can. That's me. Where's that? Um, oh, it's right there. However, I just haven't, you know, I, I need to. It's not as convenient. It's just how it goes in that. Yeah, we should probably edit this court. I'll make note of it. It's three minutes in, four okay. minutes in. Because that was ringing. It's not good to have that. Besides, I don't know how, how important you think the mass transit trans conversation is. Totally. So, um, so how long have you been at Quaintrell now? Two months. Two months. About that, yeah. And uh, that was, a, a, you, you were at DOC for how long? Uh, about 18 months. Oh, that's a good period <clears throat> of time. Yeah. And so, was it, as I understand it, you were not necessarily... You weren't pegged from DOC to go to Cointrell. You were looking at some other options. Well, I was in the process of opening um, a project of mine called Parts and Labor. Oh, Um, that's a cool name. It's another one of those and names. You like it? I I like it too. You know, some people are like telling me to stray away from the and name. Right. Because people people like them. But I think Parts and Labor is um, very fitting for a kitchen. Yeah. And, and what we do in there. Um, I think so, too. So, yeah. Of those, it's, yeah, it seems to make it fits, sense. It fits quite well, especially with the butchery and all that stuff, you know? Right. Um, so, you know, I, I was working diligently on opening a place, um, and I was really excited. I had found a spot, et cetera, et cetera. However, you know, f- fiscal reasons, um, it didn't work out. So um, I found Quentrell, and it's uh, been a really good place to land, honestly. So. Well, yeah, it's... Uh under Bill, it had done some nice things from its opening to when you came, and it seems to me, in the few weeks that you've been there, uh, the press has been pretty good. Everybody seems to like it. What are you doing? What are you, so, what are you doing a little differently to move Quintrell in a slightly different direction? Um, what I thought it needed. Uh, so, I'll start off by saying that the culinary program there was very good. Mm-hmm. It was very solid. Um, I just could tell by the demographics of the area, by the trend of dining, um, and by the also by the way that I like to go out to eat, which is, you know, um, I just felt like it needed a slight shift um, away from, you know, very appetizer-heavy and very entree-heavy to being more um, of a selection of things that people can share and kind of eat with lots of things on the table and engage in a little more conversation and have it be just, I generally find that to be a more visceral way to dine um is when you order lots of things and uh i like that i like that too yeah that's fun i don't like it you know i don't know if i used to be that way but now having been in portland it's hard to go all in on an entree yeah and you want to share it with somebody so i can have some of theirs i mean i went out last night with a few folks to 
okay omens, which was oh, nice. really nice. And we ordered, oh, must have been six things after we'd already had a full dinner uh, yeah. a few hours later. But it makes it very, it's really nice when you can just have a taste of delicious food and a lot of different things and experiment. I completely agree. So that, that, was, that was the main shift. I mean, uh, in terms of it being um, exceptionally farm to table as it was, that wasn't an easy thing to, I mean, that was an easy thing to continue. All the farmers that um, Bill was using, I was using at DOC as well. Um, and they're all, they're all friends. So um, that was an easy shift. And I also, you know, I really like preparing seafood. So that was a large shift in the menu uh, planning as well as um, getting a whole bunch of seafood on there. Especially at this time of year, this is mm-hmm. the time to do it. So yeah, it's been fun. It's uh, it's been good. So where do you get most of your seafood uh, suppliers from? So if you if you've increased that on the menu, what, how do you go about doing that? Um, you just find good purveyors. I think is the best way to do it. So I mean, like my oysters come from Navor Shellfish. Um, he's I think one of the best in the game. Doing Travis. That. That's Travis. Yeah. Yeah. And then. Um, and then there's people like Cascade Organic or Water Foods, um, and they both have a really great selection of things, and 2 by C as well. And they're all um, getting fished in a sustainable manner, which is important to me, is to have an, to have an ethos in this whole right. this whole thing. So. so not to get too heavy into Quantrail itself, because we want to talk about you, but um, so are there any specific dishes there that you would suggest to people listening to this podcast now and this is going to be a few weeks from now in early august well it might be completely different yeah. but you know but honestly just you come, got a favorite seafood dish just, that you're i mean right now we, we're doing whole rockfish which are really cool mm-hmm. and um really nice and we're just kind of giving them a big roast and it comes with nut chum and a bunch of you know herbs and good lemmy veggies and um i just put a really nice muscle dish on there with green curry it's lovely that might still be on there but otherwise, I mean, just coming and seeing what's in season, it's 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 hyper seasonal, so mm-hmm. it might all be different. Um, right. There might be a couple of things on there that are the same. Um, however, it will all be delicious. So what was your first real chef job? Were you making the menu decisions like you are now? Hmm. I would say um, Jen's Garden and Sister's Organ. Have you heard of that one? No. It's a tiny house um, with... You know, you walk into a front door, and what would be a living room or a dining room has you know, three or four tables in each. Oh, nice! And it was, um, and there's, and sisters is great. What a yeah, great and it was, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it was very much like um, a destination restaurant for sure. Um, it was like a three, six, or nine course briefing. Um, and how'd you find yourself there in Sisters, Oregon? Because you, well, you've I wasn't. I was. World. I'm, I'm curious about your journey and how you I, got. I, when I moved food. to the, when I moved to the West Coast, I moved to a small ski town because I wanted to be a ski bum. Which I was. I was good at it, too. But I, you know, still had to do restaurant stuff. You know, I obviously had to work still. So when I was in Sun Valley, Idaho, um, I was the sous chef of the opening restaurant called The Cornerstone, and we really pushed the envelope for what was found in ski towns at that point in time. And, um, you know, like what, flying and fish what and make, What's indigenous to a ski town? Um, in terms of people that live there? No, what kind of food uh, appeals well, to people in a ski, in a ski you town? You know, honestly, I feel like ski town food is, 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 pretty, is pretty blah. Um, but we were definitely doing a lot of... You You're know, probably was, trying to make it not blah. It, exactly, yeah. We, you know, we were uh, flying in tuna from Hawaii and when that was what you had to do. and Lots of raw fish. Lots of things that weren't mountain Not meat and potatoes. You know, mm-hmm. a little... Uh, and then lots of... That was... Especially at that point in time, I was cooking significantly more Frenchy food and European food. And you have a French background. I, I do. Mean, spent and I, but I've there. definitely... I feel like I've really done a big 180 in the last I'd say five years that I've like come into my what I consider like coming into my own as a chef and a couple of other like life reasons um, I stopped cooking French food traditional French food or just a different I mean or just French food in general just the, or the use of um, uses of overuse of butter and you know uh, like hyper rich pan sauces and, and just uh relying on my flavor carrying to be something different, you know, in the form of olive oil and fish sauces. And, you know, I love, I love cultura de leche, that um, Italian fish sauce. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's been nice to, um, to, I feel like evolve as an individual and as a chef into where I am now, which is not cooking food from any descript area, 
it's just what I've what I want to make. And I don't have I didn't go to culinary school, so I don't feel like I have this. I don't feel like I have any rules that I have to follow or anything like that. I just do what um, you know makes sense to me. So you've been all over the world. What what how how did your life evolve so that you you know had the ability? You told me you had uh, you lived in thirty different dwellings. I've had that's you know. which I think sometimes is unfortunate if you think about that. But it's it's like I've had a lot of places that I've called home. The traveling element is definitely what has shaped my, made me into a, a chef. Um, I was a pre-med psychology student when I went to university. I Where'd you go to university? I started at Guilford College in Greensboro, North Carolina, and then I went to NC State University. Oh, all. so United States education. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I was in boarding school in New York before that. What school? Uh, it's called the Family Foundation School. It's no longer there. It's a little boarding school in the middle of the Catskill Mountains. That's its own. That's its own story. We can get to it at some point. But um, mm -hmm. I love the boarding. The, all the boarding school stories are pretty interesting because a lot's going on there. Yeah. Generally, in my town where I grew up, a lot of the kids were sent to boarding school. Who, uh, yeah, generally it was families of means, right? It costs cost some money to go there, but it was also because um, you know this is a better education than the public school education and more shit was going down at the boarding school at boarding schools well there was a lot of stuff going on in our public school but I, I went I actually went to my boarding school was um, slightly correctional <laughs> okay and what is a good way to so let's it. go backwards what caused that to happen you know I was just a I was just a bloody troublemaker honestly like you know my uh, dad was in Atlantic Ocean away and I was living with my mom and I just raised hell I don't know what was wrong with me I I assume that I get some of this like some sort of retribution when my children are teenagers. But um, how old are your kids? Seven and five, or, or actually oh, six, are, six and eight. Actually, I take that. Those back. are some. No, those are good ages. That's when they're coming come into the. That's when they're stage. establishing independence and like establishing you know, independence. But they're you're, they're out of the really really all all day monitoring stage. Yeah, absolutely. So, no, they totally can deal with themselves. They're but good. you know, it's not always karmic with kids because kids are very different. They may be like you, they may not. My kids didn't get any, I got in trouble. I mean, to a certain degree, I was never in terrible trouble, but yeah. they were pretty well-behaved kids compar comparatively. I was always wishing they'd get in a little, well, not wishing, but wondering when it was going to happen. Yeah. I, I just, at some, for a few years there, like, I just made terrible decisions is a good way to describe it. So what was the, what's the worst consequence of one of your worst decisions? Oh, that's a that's a tough one. I mean, honestly, like I would say, just all, all, all them cumulative, cumulatively uh, making it so I went to this boarding school. Honestly, oh okay, because um, it was a, a very long, arduous experience. But it made me. It it, it was actually you know really good in retrospect because um, academics were very good, um, and the athletic program was also very good. And so, what kind of sports did you do? I play football or soccer, um, and I also play basketball, and I was able to utilize both of those things um, to get me a little bit of money at Guilford College in Greensboro. Oh, nice. And you're t how tall are you? You're pretty I'm, I'm small. I'm only 16. I'm, 16? A, I'm a scrappy point guard. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, but in relation to me, I'm looking way up to you. So you seem like a tall guy to me. But that was, it was important. That was, you know, um, my mom was sick my senior year of ca with cancer. So like oh, I, that kept me out of trouble. You know, I was a solid athlete. And I tried hard at school, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. you know? Well, that's good, especially yeah. your senior year. That's yeah, usually definitely. when you're calling it in. Yeah. Uh, at least I was. So, um, well, that's good. So, um, so prep school, and then you, then to university, which well, and then it was that was really on and off. At that point in time, I really started the whole my whole nomadic lifestyle, where um, I would go to Europe for a few months. I'd go to stay with my dad in London, and then. Um, by that point in time, we had acquired this uh, tiny house in the south of France that was, you know, pretty, um, pretty basic to say the least. But um, it was a really good place to go, like camp out and, you know, decide what I want to do with my life. I guess it's a good way. And geographically, it was well, it was nicely located. You're not too far from Barcelona. Super there. close to Barcelona. Spent a lot of time. Montpellier. Or how, what's the Perpignan? And it was it's mm -hmm. close town, close to it. And Toulouse is close to it, and the, it's on the beach, and it's. It's just leveling. It's a lifestyle that I will soon live myself in 15, 20 years, I think. 
Oh, well, that's not so soon. It's not so soon, but the kids got to get the kids got to you know do their thing and get big. Um, so, do you want to get back to France? I do, I do, or or, or central not, or Central America, like back to like Belize, or maybe not Belize necessarily, but um, something along those lines, something um, not in a city, something somewhere where if I don't watch the news, then I won't hear about anything from anybody about what's happening in the rest of the world. Unless I unless I want to, that's kind of the way I feel out in Manzanita. I could live in Manzanita. Yeah, I could do that because you can turn it off, and yep. that's just just waves and tune into nature, and uh, it's a nice thing. And so you don't have to go all the way to Belize, or you don't have to go to south of France. It's ninety miles away. The France thing, the the, the European thing is there's a, it's a different ethos. It's a different it's a different everything. It's a different pace of life. But it's. But things are changing there now, too. True. In quite a few ways. You know, Europe, a lot of the world's going through pretty major changes right no, now. Right. And I, I have what I call grass is greener syndrome when it comes to wherever I, wherever I am. But, you know, for the most part, most of my family's in Europe, too. So that's a big draw of a thing. So the grass <clears throat> is greener syndrome, I've had experience with that with people and a little bit of myself. Is that, are, are you happy? Are you very, are you a content man right now? Are you happy? Or are you? Yeah, I, I love Portland. Portland's really good. Okay, good. Um, I think it's. I'm really enjoying that my, you know, kids are being raised here, and you know, um, I love being able to go hike and escape quickly, and I love going to Hood River, and I love going to the beach. I love like Portland. I think is absolutely terrific. Um, and did you land up here? By mistake, because you were in Sisters and and other areas of we Oregon. Just, I was just looking for something different. You know, everything was always just kind of moving. So I, when I moved to the West Coast, I'd always ever, I'd only ever lived in cities. And so, you know, living in this tiny town at 6,000 feet was, you know, it was, it was life-changing, honestly. And, um, you know, I had a child there, and I decided, you know, I wanted a small-town experience. So I moved to Bend, uh, Bend to open a restaurant. Sorry. And um, so when I, when I decided, so I, I was doing restaurant stuff on the East Coast, obviously, and I was, the last place I was in Raleigh was life-changing, was, was with uh, working with Ashley Christensen, have you heard of her? No. She's, um, I mean, she's amazing. So she does, obviously you work in a lot of restaurants, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, I want to get out of the restaurant industry. You know, you get, it's, it's tiring, it's arduous, it wears on you and all these things. But then sometimes you find a restaurant that functions the way a, a restaurant should properly function. And it's, um, it's contagious. That's what you, that's what I wanted to recreate basically. And it, a lot of it just has to do with, providing a really nice work environment and not like you know restaurants have a bad rap sometimes in terms of over drinking or asshole chefs or whatever the situation may be there's people people generally using other people for everything they can underpaying them and you know it's just kind of an ugly business sometimes but it doesn't have to be you know a lot of people make it so difficult but it can actually be a really fun and really rewarding and um, a really educating environment given the opportunity if you have to nurture that thing. Do you think that we're, I, I tend, would tend to believe, and I'm not in a kitchen, so I don't know, but I would tend to believe in Portland it's harder to be, to succeed as an asshole chef and to have those conditions because it's a small town and word gets around. But everywhere is a small town. I mean, even if you're in Manhattan, like Manhattan's small after a while. The restaurant industry in any town is small, but People, people get away with it if you if you produce results, and if you've done well, it seems to like it seems to be all right. Right, know? but I would think that in a in a city right now, at least in 2018, oh, you can't get away with diff- it. Yeah, you can't get away with it because it's difficult to find help as it is. So, if you were, you know, a, not you, but if one were a tough chef, um, making conditions difficult, it would be very hard to keep that kitchen going. Totally. And, and it's also been the shift in the last, I mean, it's all the people that are my age that came up in that kind of environment that, you know, told themselves, well, whenever I get in this position, like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be, you know, a nice mm-hmm. one everybody. But um, so there, I feel like there's a lot of people that have gone through that that kind of grew up in a, in a different environment and now have tried to provide something different, which is, which is nice. I mean, it, it's, um, it creates a longevity. And, and in the last year, I think, again, there was another... As, there's another punch towards that attitude because of Me Too and a lot of abusive conditions in kitchens that have been going on and were checked for a while. And now yeah. it doesn't matter 
who you are, you got to be thinking that could come back to haunt me. Yeah, not at some point. Unchecked ego is a lot of it. Yeah, ego's. Uh, yeah, it's a funny thing. I think we've all we, we're all a little more aware of that now than we may have been absolutely. five years ago. No, hey, Chris, let's pause a moment and talk about one of our favorite places to eat again: Ringside Steakhouse. That's right. 75 years. The Peterson family has owned it. I wonder if we're going on. No, it's 75. 75 plus plus one, I think, maybe. Right. But the 75th year was a challenging one for Ringside as well as other restaurants. And, you know, they've been doing their kits, their steak sales uh, since uh, April or May. And now in the middle of August... They're opening their doors and they're taking reservations for indoor and outdoor dining. They've got a tent set up outside. So I am really happy that uh, tomorrow night, Friday, we're going to celebrate the, op- the reopening of Ringside Steakhouse and the reopening of dining out. It's so nice to be able to do that again. Yeah, and, and you pointed out making those reservations at ringsidesteakhouse.com or using the uh, Open Table app, but that's the only way you can do it. You used to be able to maybe show up and be able to get into the bar or possibly get a, a table if you were lucky, like on a weeknight, but now you need to do a reservation. They have to be. They have to f- figure out their seating plan, so make a reservation. And then there's another thing that's exciting. We've been hearing a lot uh, about what's going on in Portland and Some of it hasn't been that good, but this is great news, an opening of a new place, which is a partnership between the Peterson family of Ringside and also our friend Micah Camden of Blue Star Donuts fame fame, and Little Big Burger fame, and of course, one of my favorites, uh, Super Deluxe. He's opening in the former Boxer Ramen space on East Burnside, I think it's 26th, um, is uh, Rock paper fish. This is this speaks to me, New England style fish and chips with a Northwest uh, personality too. So uh, Micah, when he does something, um, you know, it's going to be good. And for the Peterson family to be involved, they're not putting their name on just anything. So this would be something really cool to check out. That, unlike ringside now, is takeout only for a while until things we get out of this COVID situation. That's right. So don't forget, make those reservations for both indoor and outdoor for Ringside Steakhouse at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And check out Rock Paper Fish as well. That should be fun for you. So do you consider yourself a, um, when you think of yourself, are you uh, give yourself as a chef first or a family man first that happens to be a chef? You know, I would like to say that. Unfortunately, um, the way that life dictates, it's, it's, I've learned where my priorities lay. How about that? That's a good way to describe it. But when it comes to what I do, what fills up most of my time, unfortunately, it's at a restaurant. It uh, has to be. That's the nature of that, that business. But this is where, this is where you learn to make, to draw the line and make decisions. And, you know, there's, for years, I just kind of, accepted that that's how it had to be and now i don't now i make sure that i have three solid nights off with my kids Mm -hmm. you know if there's anything that needs to happen if there's any sort of sports game or whatever whatever it is like i'm there and i'm involved and that's just that's how it is Mm -hmm. and if if I, i feel like um i make that clear to my employers and nobody seems to have an issue with that like nobody seems to have an issue with me wanting to be a good dad and be you know around them as much as I can say that's good I think that attitude must have to uh, translate over to kitchens as a as the leader of, of people having having kids has made me so much more patient and acquire things like empathy and sympathy all these things that like oh I'm running late because like my kid threw up like you know there was a time before I had kids where I'd be like well I don't bloody care like in you get like let's go and uh, but now there's this whole like I'm like yeah good you know give it thirty minutes like take your time you're good everything's all right and um it's made me you know it's made me a much better person honestly and this this being a chef is I feel uh, honestly very humbling especially if you run a busy restaurant because no matter how prepared you are no matter what you do you're always just kind of like keeping your mouth above water to breathe. And that in itself is, is very humbling. It's not defeating if you if it, everything's going well, you know. Um, 
But at the end of the day, sometimes if it's been like a 16-hour one, you can feel defeated, even though you're not. But, yeah. And you just pick it up and do it again the next day. It's hard work. It's hard work. It is sometimes. I really respect what you do because, and what a lot of people who've sat in that chair do. It is very fun, then. Yeah, and you have to love what you do. Yeah, it's really like, I mean, no, there's nothing like, I, I love like butchering fish and like taking animals apart. Like I, all these things are very cathartic and, you know, very, um, you know, you have to acquire a skill to do it. You have to teach yourself something. You have to learn something. Like the, the endless evolution, the endless learning that's you is an, an, enable, that you have when you're a chef is great. And whether that's dealing with different product and making new dishes that you've never made before, but more importantly, I feel like it's like learning how to deal with people uh, and you know, being a leader and like, you know, being a teacher. and uh, So is that the, is that what you feel is the large part of your energy goes towards people rather than it's ever, filleting it's, a fish? No, no, I do, it's both. It's 100% both. But it's maintaining, you know, the relationships in the restaurant. It's just, it's a finely tuned machine. So everything, everybody has to be finely tuned and there has to be, somebody facilitating all those things and making sure all those things, everybody's happy in their space. And when everybody's happy in their little space and everybody produces the best work that they can produce. And that's what the most important thing is, is making the best thing you can make. So what was, uh, I find interesting about where you were before at DOC is the kitchen is really part of the restaurant. Not only do you enter the kitchen, the restaurant through the kitchen, but you're very visible there and it's small. It's right. tiny, and and you have to talk to everybody, which I really like, you know, especially. Um, so, do a lot of while you're busy, are you and trying to focus? Is it easy for you to deal with customers coming up and ha- trying to have a conversation with you? I don't mind at all. I think it just depends on. I mean, you have to expect it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm, I like being social and having conversations with people. And if I'm busy, like it's just it's just cooking food. Cooking food is kind of easy at this point. In time. See, it's not even the cooking food. That's part. what I respect. And again, I'm not the benchmark, but I can't multitask. Don't talk to me while I'm cooking. <laughs> and so that that's probably why I don't enjoy cooking as much as you do because it's a it's a it's a more passive task mentally. Yeah. No, you. I get that. I, I would do that. I get that when I go to people's houses and I watch them put stuff together. I'm just like, I can just tell they're making so much effort and trying so hard. I'm just like, in my mind, I'm like, mate, like, just, just, just relax, you know? Right, but the, it's, the thing is, it for causes, me is, It causes people a lot of stress sometimes. Well, yeah, but if, if invariably, if I'm having a conversation, I forget to put something in, I'm just not doing it right, I'm not doing it in the right order, I just can't do it. So. I mean, I still do stuff like that sometimes. You just have to pass it off like it never happened. Okay. <laughs> but it's still good, and then you have people in the kitchen to back you up to make sure yeah. that, it, you know, it's going to get finished properly. Which is nice. Yeah. That's a, that's a nice luxury. Yeah, so, um, so sisters was the first place where you've really felt in command. Are you still? Uh, what is it that you'd like to learn that you? Or maybe you don't know. What is it that you'd like to accomplish in the next five years in your life, both personally and in the kitchen? Man, that's a big question, right there. So, um, I mean, I would like to do. I mean, I have a lot of a lot of aspirations i guess is a good way to describe it um yeah because you've never sat still that's why that question for you i think is interesting you can't just be sitting there thinking this is what i want to do in five years exactly what you're doing now i very much um at some point in time would like to work for myself um and that and whoever that may that obviously includes people at times you know that in terms of partners and investors and all that stuff but um I would like to have my my parts in labor, honestly, um, or something, or something like that, basically. Um, but it's, I mean, honestly, like Quentrell is actually perfect for where I am right now because it's I, what I've done is I've basically transformed that menu into something very similar to parts in labor, which is which is playful, and I don't want to say barry food by any means because it's not barring, um, but it's it's food that has like a level of casual it's it's fine dining wrapped in a very like unpretentious package um which i think Quintrell, with my limited experience a few visits there totally has that. always been absolutely so, um and so like you know it's just it just in my mind it's like a visual a visual space um 
And then I have, you know, I have a couple of uh, products that I would like to try and get into a grocery store really soon that I'm working on um, with some co-packers, et cetera, et cetera. And then... Um, Can I ask, do you want to talk about those or no? You're, those are... There's a few, I mean, it's, there's a, a, a tahini, like there's a miso tahini. It's kind of like a dressing, basically, mm -hmm. is a good way to describe it, but it's more than that. And then um, there's a ketchup that I did years ago um, when I was in some alley that... Um, I've been trying to get out for a while. Nice. It's much easier to do off the coattail of a restaurant. So I have a couple of business plans for some restaurants as well. There's a few, there's a whole, I have a whole fleet of things that I'm, uh, was trying to, you know, trying to get done with, you, you open parts and labor or you have one asset, then you can kind of move that into, turn that into a few, you know what I mean? So that's, mm -hmm. that's just been the goal for the last couple of years. Um, and then with, um, at Cointrell, you guys are moving into some farming so yeah, like this. Situations. So this is why this place is also like really perfect for me right now, is because a lot of the things that I want to do, I'm gonna have the ability to do here, and the farm's really exciting. Um, Talk when, a little bit about that, because I got a little preview of it the other night. Yeah, but. yeah. Well, we're gonna look for a farmer. Um, we have, I believe it's gonna be about 20 acres of workable land. Uh, we just planted a bunch of pinot out there, and uh, or just vines in general. Um, so we're gonna turn into a little a little farm. All right. So you have the. The company has the land. We have the land. We just have to. We just have to make it happen. Right. Which we will do. You know. And I think by next summer, that should be hopefully accomplished. Right. And it should be supplying the restaurant with some of the produce. It'll supply us with, and we'll we'll get to talk about what we want or what I would like. And um, yeah. and so you'll probably learn a bit over the next year, being that close. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. With, with property and the farm and. You know, probably making some decisions in that area, and also like I really, um, I really like the winemaker, and so hopefully we can do some fun stuff out there in terms of collaboration and dinners, and um, there's a kitchen out there and all that good stuff. So I'd really like to. What's the name of it now? Is it? That's Abbey Road Farms. All right. Yeah. yeah it's, good. it's a good Beatles album. It's a good Absolutely. One. You know, I was just re I was just Facebook. I came upon. You know how they're big in videos now. Somehow I started watching some Beatles videos, and those are coming up now. That very cool. Well, Be Beatles music videos. Yeah, interesting. They're really cool. So it's like the Beatles channel on Facebook, and you know those rotating videos that just keep coming oh, up. Nice. So they're good. Are you a Beatles fan? I am a Beatles fan. So what what other kind of music? What are you into? I love music. It's a thing. It's yeah. a big thing in my life. I good. grew up in a record history family. Um, it's. I listen to everything, but I, I do listen to a, I listen I listen to a lot of, um, well at home, um, a lot of things like the Beatles or um, I listen to quite a lot of classical music. Um, I love classical piano. I think it's fantastic. Um, I listen to a lot of electronic music in terms of like housey stuff. Mm -hmm. It's kind of my kind of my cup of tea. Um, and how is your family involved in the music industry? Um, well, my mom worked for Island Records for a long time, mm -hmm. uh, and she worked for another one called Criminal Records. She worked for several record companies who in London. The, who were the big uh, acts on Island? When she was there? Yeah. Um, well, her and Steve Winwood were BFFs, which is kind of funny. Um, oh. Like, this is also pre-me, pre-my pre uh, my existence, um, but she knew all the Whalers and Bob Marley quite well, and I mean, everybody, everybody that came through, like, she was she was kind of a, a person that people knew about. Um she hired my dad to do Dire Straits' first album cover. Oh, really? And that's how they met. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Thank you, Awful Brothers. <laughs> and so, um, so what was her title? With that I don't one? know. Uh, Secretary Extraordinaire, Socialite, like something like that. Uh, Back in the early days of, uh, what was the, the series on HBO Vinyl, I think. Yeah, Except for the, the London version of that. So right. she was in London while this was going Okay. Cool. Um, that must have been fun to grow up in that. Did you get to go to pretty cool concerts or were you so, doing I mean, backstage well, so, things when you well, were Well, no, kid? so she retired when I was born. But um, I just stayed in touch via people that she had known in the record industry. And, um, yeah, like I always grew up seeing music and, uh, you know, I have old, my siblings are older. I remember, like, you know, being young and, you know, walking around the house and feeling like bass go through my body and being like, I like this. This is a good thing. And then my dad, my dad is just Mr. Records and Mr. Music. And then what does he do? He's a photographer. Okay. So, so just an hence, art. hence the album covers. Yeah, yeah. Just artsy, artsy, fartsy family. But it's the, it was great. Like, it was a really, um, it was nice. 
And how's his business going now? Because he's retired as well. Good. Yeah, his photography's uh, changed quite a bit. Absolutely. As the music industry. I has. mean, everything changes. I mean, like photography especially has been really funny and amazing to watch. You know, uh, evolve. But yeah, he lives on a, a boat. He just has been in Amsterdam for last year, and they just slowly oh, nice. trekked back from Amsterdam through Brussels, and then did the. Um, they got to France and they did the crossing, so now they're back in England. But they just have been gallivanting around Europe. I guess is a good way to describe it. Nice. And he has the. He has the house in France. Yeah, is so that... a little house in France, and so like, I mean, so we ha- we bought this house in London that, we, that I grew up in, and it was, I mean, to say it nicely, like it was in the hood is the best way to describe it. So we bought it; it was dirt cheap, and then like the way that London spreads, like that was like the hot part of town. So when uh, he sold the house, he cashed out pretty good. So he, you know, has, you know, got this nice little boat set up for him to live on, and you know, the kids are all old enough to not be you know on the boat anymore so. have you been hanging out in that boat in Amsterdam, around Amsterdam I have, that would be awesome because I've nice. been to Amsterdam a few times that looks like it would be a great thing yeah I think so I, I spent quite a lot of time in Amsterdam and um, I love that place but I have not enjoyed it from the perspective of being on a boat unfortunately soon then oh well there's there's lots of time to yeah, do that yeah there's tons of time but it is a Dutch barge that they're on Dutch style barge it's like a nice uh, it's like a moving house it's and really, so they're moving around, or just is it parked? No, it's, it's they move it around. My oh. dad, my dad captains it. It's pretty funny. Wow. Yeah, it's good. And so is he? Are they still married? Is he remarried? What's the? Um, so yeah, it's my he lives with my stepmom, um, and, mm-hmm. and uh, she does food photography. And um, has she done yours? She had done mine. Come yeah. on, that I would know. be a natural. I know, and also get me a nice trip over to Europe too. Which is, or have her come over here and shoot your. You got a beautiful restaurant too to shoot. Yeah. I think if she comes over, I'd rather not put her to work. I'd rather put her to work grandmothering than taking well, pictures. She can do both. She might, but it's not real. Well, I shouldn't say that because, you know, my loose photography is different. But it's not. that's not really hard work to come in and shoot unless she wants to do it for a magazine it and like light it perfectly. But she could have fun with it. I think so. I think so. And the, the fact that it's your food, I would imagine it would be. It'd be nice. Kind of, yeah. I it'd think be nice for you to come out with some nice photographs on that so what do you do when you're with your family in the spare in your spare time those are interesting ages that your kids are they're you know you're beyond i think you're beyond that period where you say no we're not even traveling no i like traveling i never i never try i never did that either oh you didn't have well so well, for just, some I, people it's like we can't do this anymore i would thought i think it's uh i mean yeah it's not it's it's a little hectic but that's what's fun about everything, isn't it? The, well, I don't know. It's a slightly crazy element. No, there's the um, traveling all the way down the East Coast to get to Disney World and then just have... See, I, well, I don't really enjoy that type of traveling anyway. Like, I mean, like they've, I've taken them, they've gone to Sun Valley a few times, they've been to Europe once. I mean, it's expensive taking two kids and yourself to Europe. I mean, that's... Oh, yeah. It's a bloody, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's a chunk of change. So it hasn't happened as you know often as I'd like to. And plus, running restaurants is also not like the most... Um, you just can't take big chunks of time off. Uh, so that's been, you know, that is what it is. Right. Um, but you had the negotiating power coming into Quantrell. You, they wanted you, right? So you could have said, "I need X period of time." I don't think. I think I could. I think I could take two weeks off, and it wouldn't be an issue. Um, which will hopefully happen. Hopefully happen this year. I need to get to France. It's been a while since I've been to France. And right. Well, they, they need. They want you to go to France too to ex- expand your skills. Your it's a nice recharge. A bit. You yeah, know, exactly. but in terms of like, if, if I'm going to go anywhere for culinarily right now. For traveling, I'd like to go to, um, I think Lima would be the, my city of choice and go spend a, a week or two in Peru. And that would be great. I think it'd be really fun. Have you been to Parche? Have you tried I haven't, that? Um, but my, one of my uh, line cooks at um, DOC was a sous chef at Parche and has now gone on to open Casas Arroyo with his mom. Have you heard of Casas Arroyo? No. Oh, it's brand new. I, I may have, but I don't. It's, it's really new. It's, it's up I, in, I heard about a new Peruvian place. It might have been that's, that. That's the one. So um, you should go check that out. And where's that? Um, it's on Lombard. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And Paiche isn't what it was when he was working there. What is it now? Well, he's doing vegan lunches uh, oh, and so okay. forth. So That's different. It's very different. And it's good. But it's vegan transfers delicious. well into Peruvian food. Peruvian right. food is good in the, the, the vegan. Right. And it's it? delicious. It's different. But what he was doing with fish was yep. crazy good. And I'm sure that's one of the reasons you'd like to go to... It is. I really enjoy that stuff, like ceviche style fish and mm-hmm. things with chili. Like I love chili. I have a scallop dish on the moment that's 
not proven, but close to. I mean, it's it's an agua chilang, and it's um, it's spicy and sweet, and it's got cucumbers and sweet onions and strawberries on it, and it is uh, it's very it's a bowl of summertime, and it's perfect with the scallops, but it's the heat, and it's uh, which is which is nice, heat and the uh, cilantro. Is this your favorite time to cook? You know, I I mean, I always say it, it isn't. I like to say that I, I appreciate every part of the year, but um, yeah, absolutely. This is definitely the best time. I love tomatoes, and I love things like corn and uh, plums and peaches, you know, all these things that are happening now. And I also love what happens, you know, in terms of the ocean at the moment, um, what we have available. I love that. I think albacore are really fun fish to work with, and mm-hmm. they're uh, prominent off the Oregon coast right now, and I love the rockfish. They're really great. Um, you know, in terms of, Fish, it's it's been interest. It's interesting on the Pacific compared to the, the Atlantic. I mean, it's just a whole different kettle of fish. So. No pun intended. No pun intended. But it, it's been. It's also really fun to um, expand your repertoire of what you know how to cut up. You know, you grow up cutting up a bunch of snapper and uh, mahi mahi and you know grouper and stuff like that. It's an interesting switch to start taking apart halibut. And, I mean, everybody's done salmon everywhere, but uh, you know, it's just different. Do you get out? Do you get out to the coast much? Have you been in? Like, do you spend any time at Never? You mentioned Never Shelf is. I before. have been down there a couple of times. I try to go to the coast a decent amount of time in, uh, or times in the summertime. It's a tie between there and Hood River for the day if we do a day trip. Because mm-hmm. I also like going up to Hood River, but um, it's great in the winter too. Because uh, very Hood River or the coast. Because I like coast. the coast in the wintertime. That's what I was going to say. You give me the off season beach time. That's when I like to go because it's sure it's desolate and you know I grew up with English rocky beaches with, you know, North Sea cold water. So I don't mind. I'll get in the water in November. I don't care. I want to see that. I'll do it. I do it. I do you really out <laughs> yeah, here? Yeah, I love it. I think well, I can great. get in in September, October. Actually, November's cheating a little bit because it's a little warmer than it is now. Oh, really? So, yeah, because it has the whole summer to warm up, and then it takes a while for it to chill out or cool out. So I've been known, the only times I've ever actually gone swimming out there is... September, October. Nice. Well, that's that's what I'll do then. But it's not all about, we don't have, you know, we don't have sunbathing beaches. So the fact that you're walking a lot on our beaches, it makes the winter just as appealing, if not more, because you've got, you know, temperatures you don't have to think about. And the town's empty. That's what I like about it. It's yeah. kind of like why I like having, you know, restaurant nights off. When you have a restaurant schedule, you never, you never, you always work on a Friday or Saturday, which I personally think is the worst time to go out to eat at a restaurant. So when you have days off like Mondays and Tuesdays, those are the best days to go to a restaurant. Except they're, there are fewer restaurants open on that is Mondays. True. That is true. And I've, every time I have a Friday night off, I'm like, yay, Friday night off. But um, still, it's nicer to go to a restaurant when you have a little more, when you can get a little more attention uh, from the people that are working there and nobody's frantically making everything. You'll find a, you know, you can spend more more attention to detail with everything. You know? Yeah. Well, also, I, I, don't, I tend to not like packed you know, crazy restaurants. Although sometimes it has its place, but I, I, I love it when it's on. When it's there's nothing like a busy restaurant when it's in full swing. Is a lovely thing. It's amazing to watch. It's amazing to watch all the pieces all moving. Right. Um, as but as long as you can get a seat. See, I don't like to sit there and wait and I watch that. And then I, I don't wait. And then do I won't do it. I'll just go somewhere else immediately. Do you have some spots that you like to go that were uh, in Portland? Yeah, some of your favorite spots. Um, well, I mean, honestly, this Casas Royal place is one of my new faves because um, I really enjoy that style of food. Um, you gonna go back to DOC and try that? I should. Mm-hmm. I should. Um, That's always been one of my favorite, my sleepers. Yeah. Um, honestly, on my on my days off, like I eat a lot of Asian food. Like we always, every week, almost we go out to like Fubon or you know, or you know, just a big. This is not an unusual thing in this in that chair to hear Asian food. Yeah, absolutely. Like so, I, and I've asked this, but I'll ask. I, I love I love Hat Yai. I go to Hat Yai all the time, and I get the spiciest thing I can get there. I was good. I'm glad you said that. I don't have to and ask. like, I I love super spicy food. I was just when I was in LA like a month or two ago. I went to Night Market. Have you heard of Night Market? They just came there? out with a cookbook. It's mm-hmm. a pretty. It's a pretty well known chef. I can't think of his name, but it's like really. Um, Authentic and but playful um, Thai food that's you know super super spicy with a really cool um, natural wine list. Mm-hmm. And I got this larb dish that was, and I was with three vegans, which is great. So I kind of tried to order like the most ridiculous thing, but it was a larb with ground pork and pork liver and pork blood, 
and this secret sachet of spices that he'd like smuggled back from Thailand. It was the spiciest thing I had eaten in a long time, like in a long time. And it takes a lot. Like my threshold is is high. But I was I was in pain for about two days. That's interesting. Two days when it was born in Europe, because Europe is not the hotbed of. Well, I grew up in North London. Like I grew up in a Turkish neighborhood. I like I grew up with Turkish bakeries all around me. Like really amazing, like doner kebabs, mm-hmm. which I still smother with chili sauce. And like London, London is the biggest melting pot. Really? Yeah, you know, you know, absolutely. Like you can think of like Europe having like, especially England, like be like, oh well, it's like slightly boring food, but it, it was just, until recently it was really never known for its food. But, but it always, but it always, it's, it's always been there. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up eating like tons of Lebanese food, tons of Turkish food, lots of Indian food. Obviously, the Indian food's always been like a big thing there. Um, Lebanese food. I mean, you can get absolutely anything you want to. And um, I think it wasn't really on the list of places to go to because that's not what people were like looking for as a culinary destination. People weren't like looking to go to London to go eat ethnic food. Like, you know, if you go to France for a vacation, you're like, ooh, I'm going to go eat some French food. Nobody goes like, I'm going to go eat English food. But the destination, the, what, what people should have been going there is for, is for the ethnic food. Mm-hmm. You know, not necessarily British food, but... Well, Indian's a big culture there, too. Yeah, that was sure. my first real exposure years ago when I went to London to have some great Indian food. It's nice. Yeah? There was one in my neighborhood that he, the chef had a restaurant across the street from each other. One was vegetarian and one served meat. And they were both heavingly busy every night of the week, slinging just exceptional... Do you get back there often? You know, it's been a few years, honestly, since I've had the kids, it slowed down a lot. Um, but I need to. My brother lives in that neighborhood still. Oh, good. So well, I like you have family, you can make it. Yeah, of course. Maybe make I it mean, I'm going to make an effort. I'll go this year. Mitigate the, uh, the flight costs by having family there if, if you're into staying together. No, absolutely. <laughs> well, and once you get to once in the house in France, and it's a free, free, free visit, you know. Right. So we've been talking about that. Let's see. Let's talk and see if we can uh, come up with something fun look at a pfa trip i have you know i'm a small company i do this myself i can only do so many trips but i'd I'll tell you what, like, I could, it would be such a why f- should we want to go why should people want to come with us because i i, I mean i'm not going to say because of what i can give but like um like i know that area like the back of my hand like my 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 arsenal jersey's hanging in the bar across the street it's been there since you know for 15 years like it's a it'd be an authenticated trip mm-hmm. where we'd be going places that i know are really fun and places like we can go to Barcelona and like all these the, the it's endless I was saying you and even get, and then you, you get you, down to Ro- Con Roca pretty quickly from there right super close yeah yeah which would be a how long day. a drive is that um it's probably about it's in Figueres isn't it isn't that where it is in Girona in Girona Girona so, yeah. so you fly into the, so that's even closer that's 45 minutes oh okay maybe an hour yeah so that's you literally about jump the over the Pyrenees from Barcelona drop back in so it's another 45 minutes to Barcelona. Right. So in, in, in England or in Europe, if you're doing the uh, cheapy airlines, like Ryanair or something like that, you always fly into Girona, not into Barcelona. It's like the, it's a, the sub-airport for Barcelona. Wow. It's so cheap to fly around Europe. Oh, my gosh. I just ridiculous. got a flight for 25 bucks. It's from, silly. It's just silly. From Valencia to Bologna, I think. But it's, you know, but it's, so, it's, so, it's more fun to take the train there. It takes a lot longer, but it's so worth yeah. it to like, sit there and like, you can have a bottle of wine when you're taking the train. Which is a nice I took the train from that region, from Nice to Paris. It oh, was nice. really cool. There you go. But completely disorganized. They they double booked my seat, so that that was a fun scenario. On I bet. The train the French are really not French people. With yeah, that. with really with an American sitting in their seat. That's good. That's that, a, that's a good. That's a good base to a story. I, <laughs> I know that. Yeah, you've probably seen that before. Well, um, so anything we you want to talk about coming up at uh, Quintrell that we should be looking out for? Um, well, we have. Um, we just started a music program, which is going to be once a month, maybe once every other week, um, with um, Single Malt Trio. It's a couple of guys from Pink Martini um, that are they're all super, super amazingly talented. Oh, that's cool. Um, so that's really fun. That's tonight. Uh, we have a you know we have a wine dinner tonight with uh, Day Wines plus that. So that's um. So that's Thursday nights. Is it? Thir- it's Thursday nights, and you know, so you can find all this stuff out on um, our Instagram and all that good stuff. Which is uh, Quintrell Quint- PDX. Quintrell PDX. There's. Something strange about is it the website that says dot co? Am I right about it is, that? It is a dot co. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So you name. need to know that. Don't add the M Don't when you're M. looking for it. And yeah, and then just the menu. Like the, there's a the, it's a it's worth coming to check out at the moment because there's lots of cool fun food on there. And uh, and where do people find you on Instagram? 
Just my name, Riley Eckersley. That's easy enough. R-Y-L-E-Y. R-Y, yeah. Not Irish. Not Irish. Not, not Irish. That's the main, that's the difference in the spelling. Okay. Good to know. Good to have you here. Yeah, it was very nice. Thank you it. for coming on. This was nice. Uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah, take care. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right